Welcome to Meet My Brain, a field guide to Asperger's. I'm your host, The Autistic Woman. This episode is about the myth of the extreme male brain. Throughout history, there have been times when science was misused for defining and separating people who are seen as deserving from those who are not. I like this quote, More inhumanity has been done by man himself than any other of nature's causes. This episode presents what the extreme male brain theory is, how it survives proof to the contrary, and how unsupportable conclusions presented as facts cause actual harm. So where did this belief that autistics have extreme male brains come from? Psychology. Autism was called the most severe childhood psychiatric condition and a tragedy. Psychologists wanted to compare the brains of autistic and non-autistics as a step toward understanding and treating autism. They started with the idea that there are two kinds of brains, male and female. They had all this data. More men are left-handed than women. Women like fashion and romance books. Men prefer computers and sports. Men spend time working on cars, flying airplanes, and playing computer games. Women have coffee with friends or agree to feed a friend's cat. Men are better than women at science, and men like solar systems. They compared it to the autistic stereotype. More autistics are left-handed than not. Autistics like to read about computers and play video games. Autistics are good at mathematical reasoning. Autistics like systems. More males are diagnosed than females. Conclusion, autistic brains are male. If and then, of course, male brains. Wait, this is based on stereotypes and biases. Once there was an effect, there had to be a cause, right? It's got to be testosterone. So was this tested? Testosterone levels in amniotic fluid were measured. Several years later, the children were tested again. Researchers reported that there were higher levels in autistic males. So let me sum it up. We've got testosterone in the extreme. High levels can cause increased body hair, more muscle mass, depression, deep voice, and an effect on your sexual health. So... Scientists disagreed with the study, and in 2014, the Brookings Institute published an article titled, A Bogus New Autism Study Claims Excessive Manliness is to Blame. They pointed out that the research involved prepubescent boys. The test results didn't show a higher level in autistic or non-autistic boys. Okay, so let's experiment with females. Females did a systematizing test before and after receiving testosterone. They got higher scores after getting testosterone. Just one or two problems. Testosterone is converted to estrogen in the female body. And aren't we often better at a test the second time we take it? Neuroscientists, psychiatrists, and psychologists challenged the results with their own study and found no correlation with stereotypical male traits, autistic traits, and testosterone. They examined male and female brains and found no structural differences. This was overlooked in the original study. Scientific methods weren't used in the original, and non-gendered people were not included. It didn't seem to matter. The male-female extreme male view stuck. I don't know about you, but I have a brain brain. She doesn't care what I call him. If you have one thing, its opposite must also exist, right? 
hot versus cold, dark versus light, and loading the dishwasher versus watching sports. That aha moment that presents another opportunity for research. Since there is an extreme male brain, there must be an extreme female brain. It's opposite. The extreme male brain and autism correlate. So what's the opposite? Answering that is as simple as figuring out why females are diagnosed with depression more than males. Are you following? No, me neither. Psychologists decided to use the reading the mind in the eyes test, or more accurately, the guess what I'm feeling test. In that test, a person is shown black and white photos of sets of eyes and asked to pick an emotion to match it. A high score means you are high in empathizing. More females than males are diagnosed with mental illnesses, and sympathizing might contribute to that. So it logically follows, males are systematizers. More males than females are diagnosed with autism. Females are empathizers. More females are diagnosed with depression, psychosis, and other psychiatric illnesses. So there we have it, the extreme female brain. The reason for the higher diagnosis rates in each sex are a result of the belief that women aren't autistic and that men aren't depressed. We know the opposite is true. Other scientists, including female scientists, started to research and test these theories. For years, it was a professional risk for them to do studies that challenged these theories, including that of the male-female brain. Neuroscientists took images of the brains which showed no structural differences. I couldn't help but wonder what role stereotypes play. After all, if female brains are not good at science, how can their research be trusted? When scientists successfully challenge these accepted theories, they're called science deniers. Are they wrong to question the studies and conclusions of award-winning scientists? Actually, there's a way to figure out if research is reliable. It's called the scientific method. Scientists start with a hypothesis, which is a guess or assumption. The next step involves years of extensive research and testing to go from hypothesis to theory. The scientific method includes peer review. Scientists experienced in the field and specialty review the results, accuracy, the methods, the conclusions. Standards are high and not all research merits publishing. Scientists refer to each other's peer-reviewed research in doing their own, so they are aware that their work is relied on by other scientists and that it could potentially have other far-reaching effects. As a lawyer, what I present to a court has to be accurate. Lawyers have to cite cases that an appellate court has reviewed. Everything stated as true must be supported by the law, and lawyers have to tell the court when and if the law doesn't support their conclusions. Yes, lawyers can argue the same facts, theories, and laws many different ways, and that is why we call it argument. It's not fact. I see it this way. In the scientific community, colleagues and peers have a duty to question theories, conclusions, research, and facts. That's how the scientific method works. They focus on the reliability of the research first, regardless of the reputation of the researcher. I firmly believe a researcher must consider the impact of their work with every project they undertake. Before they tell the world their research is right, they must weigh the cost of being wrong. 
not the cost to themselves, but to those whose lives will be affected. The tests are our reason it took a long time for me to understand I'm autistic. The questions are written for non-autistics, and they don't take autistic brains into account. The questions are so short on context that they are literally meaningless. The need for context is not uniquely autistic. Maybe we're more aware of it. So take this test question. I am good at predicting how someone will feel. About? Who? Or... Other people often tell me I'm good at understanding how they're feeling and what they're thinking. It's a trap. Do you hang out with empathizers because they might tell that to everyone? The question implies something that people in our culture rarely do. You have to answer that you disagree. Since people don't tell you that you're good at understanding, then you're not. You're most likely a systematizer. I've noticed that often questions on autism tests contain that trap of what people say to us or about us. Here's an example of a systematizer question. When I look at a mountain, I think about how precisely it was formed. Strongly disagree. What does that question even mean? That you know precisely how a mountain is formed and you think about that when you look at one? Geologists don't know precisely how mountains are formed. That's why they do research. These are the kinds of tests that determine if we are systematizers or empathizers, without a proven correlation between the two, without evidence that they're mutually exclusive, without brain scans that show differences in male and female and extremes, and based on stereotypes that have long been discredited. Here's some of the biases that underlie this research. Women are nice, but men are smart. Women don't make good scientists. Men do. Women are good nurses or good grade school teachers. Men are good surgeons and professors. Men lack empathy, and women don't do their own tax returns. A researcher's personal influences, writing skill, debating skill, or ability to get funded don't determine the facts. Is there a vested interest in continuing the rhetoric? The objection to classifying brains by sex is not political. It's not debatable any more than the fact that the earth revolves around the sun. It's human. Biases separate and isolate us. They keep us one down. Being different means having little value. In this context, for too many autistics, the world becomes impossible to survive. It's time for the narrative to change. We have to tell a different story. For too long, autistics' lives have been brutalized by people without empathy and compassion, by those who lack a theory of the autistic mind, by some whose self-interest is their special interest by people in positions of authority who have extreme, arrogant brains. I don't accept the systematizing, empathizing, and extreme male brain myth, nor anything claiming to be scientific proof of it. To those who continue to champion it, I can look you in the eyes and say, I have no idea what you're thinking. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments, Contact me at An Autistic Woman on Twitter. Be sure to take a minute and rate this podcast five stars. And check out some other episodes while you're here. I'm The Autistic Woman.